Welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And we are kicking off a brand new month. Yes, we're calling it Magnificent Media Mavens. Why? Because it's always good to find out what goes on behind the scenes and how can you make it work for you. Now, my guest today, and so far is the only one in our whole lineup that is in this specialty, so I'm so excited. But since the age of 13, Andrea Nicholson has been consumed by the art of food. She's a creator, a teacher, and a connoisseur. She's also a Red Seal certified chef, and she received her culinary training at George Brown College in Toronto. Now, for those of you who know, that's in Canada and Canada, as sometimes we refer to it um, on this side of the border. Okay, nobody really does that. That's an old joke in my family. But her professional experiences are pretty dang impressive, including positions in numerous respected Toronto restaurants and culinary institutes. She's also traveled the culinary globe, working with internationally acclaimed chefs. She's also had a pretty big spin on a pretty prestigious uh, cruise line as well. But what we're really going to dive down deep in today is a little bit of her stardom wit on what? On the Food Network, Food Network Canada, that is. And she appeared first as a contestant on season one of Top Chef Canada. And since then, she's also been the host of the Maryland Dennis Show, Restaurant Takeover, is currently a judge on Food Network's and Cooking Channel's Firemasters. And by the way, I especially like the name of one of the episodes that was called For Better or Worst. Yeah. <laughs> worst, you know, like Bratwurst. <laughs> Today, she owns a wildly popular Butchie's restaurant, which is in a little portion of Toronto called Whitby, Ontario. And as soon as I can get there, man, I'm telling you, I plan to eat everything on that menu because it looks good and it looks like everything comes with dip also and spicy sauce. So I'm happy with that. So Andrea, thank you so much for being with us today. What an intro. Thanks for having me. I love that. (laughs) I, I love people's bios. And actually, there was one thing on your bio that I really, really wanted to add. And I just couldn't, I knew I couldn't pronounce it. So I'm going to throw it to you first. So you have a special title that comes from some special training that you did in Naples, Italy, and there's no way I was going to be able to do it. So what is your title? I'm a certified pizzaiolo. (laughs) Basically a certified pizzaiolo is a pizza master, a pizza maker. (laughs) So yeah, so um, in the traditional Napolitana-style pizza uh, that Italians hold so near and dear to them, uh, you have to be trained to do that stuff. And so I actually went to New York City and I trained uh, with an amazing pizzaiolo who actually is the head of the APN in America, uh, Roberto, and he had an amazing restaurant in New York City called Keste. So I went and trained with him for two months and he gave me my diploma. So yeah. I was actually at one point the only Canadian who had it, <laughs> but there's, there's a few of us now, but uh, yes, yeah, so I can make, I can make a killer pizza. Oh, you know, my one and only time in Naples, Italy, uh, went to a little restaurant and they invited me back to help make my own little pizza. 
Um, so I'm sure that, you know, puts me on the same level as you. <laughs> okay, not even close. <laughs> I think I put the, uh, I think I put some cheese on it. And that's about all I did. I don't even know if there was cheese on it. I think there, I put some, something else well, on there. They're, the they're, ex they're extremely particular. I remember just really quickly, a quick anecdote. Uh, Roberto was so particular in his pizza that one day a guy came in because it was all over the New York Times and people were raving about this place. This guy came in and he asked for pineapple on his pizza. <laughs> Roberto was like, get out. Get out. Get out. No get pizza out. for you. You don't even get a slice out. <laughs> like the Seinfeld episode that could have been uh, no pizza for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. For the Bobka. I love, I love it. Well, you have an amazing history. And we were talking about before we started taping, and I loved it too, because you're like, look, I, I'm kind of like the bench warmer on a food network here in Canada. But you know, you have been on a lot of shows. You've had a lot of great airtime, um, but you've had some amazing experiences that that's brought to you, your business, your opportunities. So tell us a little bit more about you, your backstory, and, you know, and a little bit about what possessed you to uh, try out for Top Chef in the first place. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I'm on my 20th year now in the restaurant business, and I started off as a young aspiring chef. And I, I give a lot of the credit to my grandmother because my grandmother was an immigrant from Ukraine who you know, tried her life to get to Canada and, and built this just amazing family for us here in Canada. And um, you know, from rags to riches kind of story. And food was always at the forefront of my life. Like you, know, you came into the house and it was your eating first and she grew all her vegetables. So I credit a lot of my passion for food to my grandmother and to my dad and my mom. And so we ate really well as a kid. We ate at restaurants all the time. <laughs> Um, there's a longer story in this, but, um, I got my first kitchen job when I was 13 and, um, in Toronto at the time in the early nineties, restaurants was where it's at. And I just became consumed and being a byproduct of, of a mom and dad who liked to eat out a lot. Um, you know, I would sit there and I would always observe, I'd observe the restaurant and I, you know, I watched the hostess and the bartender and, and I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I started working at the best restaurants in Toronto. Wow. And I would sort of stay at one for about a year and then mm -hmm. I'd move. And that's pretty much in the DNA of most cooks is that, you know, right. you stay for a short time, you consume as much as you can, you learn as much as you can from the chefs, and then you go on to another place. Yeah. Um, so I, I did that for probably a good, you know, eight years. I went to culinary school in, the, in, in that time as well. And then I got to about my 20s and early 20s, actually. It was, uh, I think it was 19, actually, when I went to work on the cruise ship because there was nothing left in Toronto to offer. And especially right. as a young female chef too, because uh, kitchens back in the day were very hierarchy and you were in a brigade and we were taught that it was a brigade. Now that word, you know, wouldn't even stand a chance in today's landscape. So uh, you really had to like put your head down, do the work and grow. And so, you know, I got to my twenties and I'm like, it's time to travel. So I, I took a position with a uh, Regent Seven Seas uh, was called Radisson Seven Seas back in the day, this really high-end cruise line. And I killed it. I was traveling the world and I was making great money. It was hard, very, very hard work, but I was getting sort of the best, best of both worlds. And, you know, the world in food is magical when you go to different countries and experience your food. And as a young creative chef, it was just like, this is what I'm meant to do. Mm. Um. So I came back to Toronto and I was in my my young 20s and I was like, it's time for me to, and my husband at the time, him and I were dating. So that sort of what was pulled me back. But 
<laughs> He's like, like it's totally, this is yeah. great, but I, I don't want you on the cruise ship the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it was time to sort of run my own thing and do my own thing. You know, I had been a line cook and then I was a sous chef on the cruise ships and, but I knew that I could run my own show. Um, I'm also a Leo, <laughs> which like I'm a true Leo. Uh, so I like to be in charge. I like to be in command. Uh, I joke that I'm completely unemployable because it's very hard uh, mm-hmm. to tell me what to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I started running my own show and, and I started running a couple kitchens and then I got into a partnership at a cooking school in Toronto, uh, where I became a, a you know, a majority business uh, holder at the, at the business. And, um, this show called top chef came around and top chef had top chef had already been, um, very much aired in Canada, but the American version, I think there was probably about five or six seasons that had already played out. And, mm-hmm. you know, Canadians, we sometimes get another version of that spinoff of the show. And so we kept hearing these rumblings that Top Chef might be coming to Canada. And I was at that point, I had run a couple of kitchens and I'm like, oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> Women don't get a lot of accolades in culinary uh, yeah. in Canada. We don't get, uh, you know, it's like that all across the world, but especially in the early nineties and two thousands, like it was really hard to get your name on top 10 lists or have, you know, restaurant reviewers come to your business and, and review you. It's just, it was just the way it was back then. And so I applied for top chef because one, I knew that I could win. Um, I had the chops to do it. I had the experience. I was running, you know, crazy establishments. So I'm like, I could do this show and I have a bit of a personality. So I'm like, yeah, you know, like, it doesn't scare me. So let's try it. Love and I applied, it. I applied on the first season and my husband filmed my audition tape, which is on YouTube. If anyone wants to go and have a ridiculous laugh. Oh, um, we'll put a link to it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll send you a link. Okay, good. <laughs> and you know, I, we, we had filmed like a teaser video before and then the, the audition video, you know, I'm in my backyard and I'm talking about how I could cook a whole hog in my hot tub and it was just ridiculous. <laughs> um, but they called me and I'll, I'll never forget the day that they called me. I was standing in my kitchen and somebody answered the phone and they were like, chef phone call. And it was now my dear friend, Jen Pratt. And uh, wow. she said, you know, we'd, we'd love you to be a contestant on the first season of top chef Canada. And I was like, oh. it was, then it was like instant, instant regret. You know, when you buy that big ticket item and you're like, should I have mm-hmm. bought that? <laughs> <laughs> so I went into one of those, like, Oh my God. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get into this, you don't really know what you sign up for. Anybody who does some advice, anybody who signs up for any type of reality, you know, competition-based show, you never know what you're signing up for because there's so much behind the scenes that, you know, you as a viewer watching an hour show don't realize that it took two days, 14-hour days, um, interviews behind closed doors with producers asking you personal questions, asking you, you know, all the questions under the sun. And meanwhile, you're, you're trying to be laser focused and cook a meal for 60 people, you know, and and highlighting aloe vera. And you're like, and how do you really feel about Jenny and why she stole the pasta bowl at the very last moment? You're like, I don't care about Jenny anymore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You nailed it. Uh, So so yeah, so I did I did this amazing show called Top Chef Canada. Um, I placed fifth. Um, nice. It was a complete whirlwind. I had to take a lot of time after to come down from that ride and to yeah. mentally adjust. And it was 
it's still, it's still, it's still a lot, but my gosh, the doors that it opened and Mm. I, you know, still say to this day, I did that show to propel my career and fully knowing I did it to propel my career. And it's funny because TV, you know, and you can watch it back years later, but I would often think, and I think I went into doing the show knowing I am a television character right now. Like I need to come off in a certain way. I need to understand that people are watching me with a completely different lens and they're criticizing everything I'm doing. Saying that though, it's still hard to mask who you are and, and like really raw emotions. So, you know, I got a lot of people being like, wow, you're like really aggressive. You're really intense. No, that's just how I am. I am an intense chef. Most chefs are pretty intense anyways, but I say it like it is. And I, and I'm a pretty open book, but um, yeah, that was a really interesting, uh, interesting experience, but an experience that got me endorsement deals, Mm -hmm. got me uh, trips to all around the world, really, to come and cook in guest kitchens, to speak at different conferences, to uh, be a guest judge on another show. So it was, Mm -hmm. it was just, it was an amazing experience. It was amazing. I came back and I did. um, And then I vowed that I would never do it again. (laughs) Okay. I did it. Uh It was an amazing experience. I'm never going to do it again. So I actually went back to my, I went back to my business and uh, I continued running my cooking school, my business, and things just kept coming at me. And I really realized, oh, I'm not done here. Like this is, this is just really a stepping stone. And it really did that because it really like opened up so many different possibilities. So I, I had my son two years, about two years after the show. And then I sort of found myself uh, jobless. Mm-hmm. Because I gave up my partnership at my business because I knew that, you know, post top chef, there would be something. But having a son as a chef or mm-hmm. any child as a chef uh, is debilitating because there's no contingency plan really in the culinary world, especially when you're doing something so physical like cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I cooked as long as I could. Uh, in the meantime, actually, I totally forgot about it, but I had a, a condiment line. So when I um, when I went to go to Top Chef, I had just launched an artisanal condiment line called Killer Condiments, and um, it was doing great. I was selling it in sort of small boutique artisan shops, and then I did Top Chef, and then the sales for that just like went through the roof. Oh, so wow. we had to quickly uh, sort of pivot and find a co-packer to be able to kind of exceed uh, production and move it into something bigger. So. Um, I found myself out of a restaurant, uh, out of that live hospitality vibe with Mm -hmm. a child, uh, doing a complete new business. And I didn't know what to do with myself. Like, I was like, where am I? Like, what am I, what have I become? Like, what am I doing? Uh, All brand new. And I got a phone call uh, from a show called Restaurant Makeover. Mm -hmm. And Restaurant Makeover was the original... uh, Simon or, or not Simon Irvine, excuse me. What's his last first name? Michael Irvine. Mike. Yeah. Michael Irvine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that show originally was a Canadian show. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And his was sort of a spinoff of it. Um, and so restaurant makeover, uh, it started off being called restaurant makeover and then restaurant makeover in Canada was on for years, which then morphed into restaurant takeover and makeover, to which right. I was, I was a judge on, or I was a host on. And so 
which was amazing because it brought me back into the restaurant world again. Mm-hmm. So here we are doing, I think we did 12 episodes in, in total and going in, going in bit of a bit of a bad guy, bad, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what you're doing completely wrong. <laughs> and then uh, magically I'm going to fix it for you. Uh, kind of storyline. Great, great, great opportunity, uh, which opened up a whole other side of the LinkedIn world as a oh, yeah. consultant. And I started getting consultancy jobs where people were calling me saying, I saw this episode of Restaurant Takeover. Are you available? Can you come and help me with the menu development? Can you come and help me train my staff? Can you come and do this? So from that, I started a consultancy business, Mm -hmm. freelance. Um, You know, I did within a year, we did about 12 clients. Um, which was, which was amazing, which, you know, as a restaurant chef, that's not something that, you know, you think about doing. And then there was just another, another branch to my career. So another amazing uh, opportunity from a TV show. Um, and then I had my son and then I just started, I started just understanding that I could open these businesses and be quite successful. So I had a condiment line, you know, the, uh, the consultancy business, and then, um, I got a call from my recruiter and said, Maple Leaf Foods is really interested uh, in a corporate chef with media background. Would you be interested? Meanwhile, I had already been doing, you know, small segments on TV news channels, you know, go and go and cook a three minute segment and talk about Canadian cheese on a morning show. Go and, you know, go and endorse uh, Tim Hortons, for example. Uh, At one point, Tim Hortons hired me to make their Timbit when the Timbit turned 30. Um, they hired me to make the Timbit birthday cake. So, and me and a gigantic Timbit birthday cake, which I can send you a link on, we did a media tour and I was endorsing Timbit and Tim Hortons and, you know, representing myself as well. So that was pretty fun. But, uh, you know, and then uh, Maple Leaf Foods called and it was completely out of the realm of something I knew. It was a CPG. It was, uh, you know, consumer-based foods is not in the ethos of what we're taught as a chef. Right. Processed foods. So, you know, you're kind of like, am I doing the right thing here? But Mm -hmm. I took the role with them, corporate media chef for uh, one of the world's largest protein companies. And so basically I was uh, responsible uh, as a brand ambassador, but also to create recipes for all their online spaces. Mm. So grocery stores that they work closely with, Um, you know, private label brands. Uh, When you go to the grocery store and you pick up a flyer and you see a recipe on the inside. So we had a recipe development team for that as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we were doing media tours or I was going to flying to Vancouver to meet the folks at Costco and, you know, being able to tell them, well, this is how we're going to, this is how we're going to sell your product. These are the platforms we're going to sell your product on. So that was a really, it was a really fascinating, uh, fascinating position that I held with them for some time. Uh, But in the, in the whole, in the whole time of it, um, I was scheming to my first restaurant. So I had set a goal for myself that by the time I was 30, I would Mm -hmm. own my own restaurant independent, independent of any partners, independent of any kind of um, Mm -hmm. angel investors. It was going to be mine, completely mine. No one's going to tell me what to put on my menu. And because so, by the way, I'm a Leo. <laughs> <laughs> What's your birthday? No, you're a Leo. I was just oh, saying, I'm, you. I'm a oh, Pisces. No, okay. But I was like, and, she's a, and Andrea said, and by the way, I'm a Leo. So nobody's going to have a partnership in this. <laughs> None. None. 
Um, so the whole time I was sort of scheming on how to, how to open a restaurant and to work this corporate job at the same time. And so, um, I got a call from the TV producers again at Top Chef and they said, we're doing Top Chef All-Stars. Oh, would you be interested? And And I had already promised myself. Like I already said, I swore I'm never doing that again. So my first instinct was no. (laughs) And they're like, just think about it. And I literally mm-hmm. thought about it for half an hour and I called them back and I said, okay, when are we filming? Let's do this. <laughs> um, just because it made so much business sense, you know, and 10 years later, we were at a completely different place in my life. I could process it better. Therapy works. So, you know, yes. it, 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 uh, it paid off. Um, so I went back and I did Top Chef All-Stars and Top Chef All-Stars, you know, uh, let's just say the horse came in triple time than it did the first time around. And, you know, I understood after seeing the first season yeah. understanding, okay, you know, I, I can project myself differently. I know what works, what didn't really work. Right. Um, even though it's a competition show, but uh, yeah. So I did top chef all-stars and I came in fourth. So one place better than the nice. second than the first season, but it was just such an amazing opportunity. And so many more doors opened up after that. And again, like speaking engagements and, brand ambassadorships and travel that hold a huge monetary value at the end of the day and just, just recognition. So, um, top chef all-star played. And then now I'm a judge on fire masters, which I adore fire masters is such an amazing show. Uh, the people behind fire masters who make it the team. I often, I often, uh, describe, television sets and television crews very much like restaurant crews mm-hmm. and they would agree that you know you work really long hours together you're like a tight family you know you know everything about each other because you're staring at each other for hours on end um and you know doing tv really makes sense for me like it just is something that is is extremely natural um yeah you know a camera in your face uh, is, is not a, is not a normal thing, but you know, once you kind of understand, <laughs> you, get you know, the dynamics of it, it's, it's, it's just super fun and it's, it's amazing. And for someone who owns a barbecue meat plus three restaurant, being uh-huh. a judge on a barbecue show has really helped, helped out a lot. And, you know, I get recognized all the time being like, Oh, you're on fire masters, which is really uh-huh. great. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's a really great show and actually airs on in the, in the States as well on mm-hmm, yeah. um, the cooking channel. Um, I was going to say, I'm so impressed uh, that you, you know, you had that moment where not only after you said the first time, you know, okay, I'm going to do this, but you, you went into it and said, I'm going to maximize this. I'm going to be me. I'm going to understand what I'm supposed to do here. I'm going to use this as a launching pad. And that, because I think sometimes people, especially if they get, uh, whether or not they're just, you know, doing some interviews or they really actually maybe want a career like yours where they're going to, you know, hopefully get more and more opportunities to be on a show is they don't always think about, you know, how, how do you position yourself to continue to have opportunity? Because, yeah. you know, even, but even that reflection point where you're like, okay, when they called me again, I'm like, no, I swore I wasn't. I thought about it for 30 minutes. I'm like, yeah, you know what? This is going to be it. Cause that's, I think really critical to think strategically about what am I doing? Why? And how do I make sure I use this opportunity for the best that it can give me over the longest period of time? 
Oh, oh, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, and, and having friends in the business too, who can help you kind of navigate that. And, um, after the first season, I got, in a, I got caught up with, um, with an agent who wanted to represent me, who was an awful experience. And mm. my gosh, lesson learned, you know, I was, I oh, was yeah. paying money to somebody, uh, frankly for doing nothing. And, um, I quickly realized, oh no, 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 this is not how it's going to go down. And then I, I, you know, understood and it's mistakes commonly made by a lot of new business owners as well. Right. You don't know what you're getting into until you've gone into it. And then it's like, whoa, slap in the face. Okay. We're going in the wrong direction. So it's, it's surrounding yourself with people who, who can help you navigate that too. Yeah. Well, and I got, I have one other question to ask you before we go to the break. And this is just because as you were talking, it reminded me of a gal that I interviewed for the podcast several years ago who created a product. It's actually an algae um, product. So it's a, you know, a, it's a ingestible algae and she went on shark tank. And when I interviewed her, she I said, Oh, well, are you disappointed that they didn't give you an offer, you know, for a portion of her company? And she said, no, she goes, I actually went there hoping to not get an offer, or if I did one that I could turn down, she said, because I really, to your point, she goes, I really didn't want any other investors in my company, but I knew I would get exposure for my business. Right. And she said, right. every time they air the uh, the rerun of my show, we our sales go up. So <laughs> now looking back, when you think about uh, leaving us in fifth place from the first year on Top Chef, Versus what if you would have won or been the runner up? Do you think there would be a difference? Are you happy with that no. positioning that you had? No, I don't think there'd be a difference. You know, I think it, it, it's, you know, it's like, it's like a high school when you're looking at the yearbook. <laughs> was, was I the valedictorian? No. Am I now? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, it's, it, yeah, I don't think it means anything. And and it, I took a, a good piece away at that uh, top chef specifically. I mean, it's, it's, somebody cooked a better dish on one day that yeah. <laughs> doesn't validate your whole entire career but it did take a while to sort of understand that especially from a creative from somebody creative because you know i hate when people criticize my my craft my art and it's very personal um so that it, it's just a hard pill to swallow and i'm a leo <laughs> I love it. I love it. Andrea, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor for the month and we will be right back. Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then shock your media potential is for you. This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host, Eddie Luisi, known as Stage Manager to the Stars and also Stage Manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? How do I get invited back again and again? And much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. 
To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. And we're back with Andrea Nicholson. And I love, I just love all the info that you've been sharing. And I love, I love the story. Um, talk just, you know, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about what advice you have for other people, but talk a little bit more about your restaurant, because honest to God, when I looked at the the menu, first of all, I love a hot Nashville or Nashville hot yeah. chicken sandwich. And, you know, just the description on there just makes my mouth water. So I know that there's just an hour and 15 minute plane ride from Philly to Toronto. Yeah. Uh, so I'll get there soon, but you know, what, what possessed you to make this kind of menu? You know, how's the restaurant going? Are you glad that you made, you know, this, this path for yourself, you know, cause it must be fun, but it obviously has its own headaches and, you know, fact that we've been dealing with, you know, a little thing called the global mm. pandemic. Um, you know, what's, what's that been like for you? Yeah. So, uh, butchies, butchies, um, was my dad's nickname. And, um, I always wanted to create a restaurant. So I've, I have, I have about six concept concepted restaurants in my, in my repertoire that we're just ready to release when the time is right. And Mm -hmm. I think a big takeaway actually from doing restaurant takeover, because when I did take over, I didn't have my own restaurant. I was a partner in one very different than having your own, very different, uh, you know, from having to fully be responsible for payroll and for everything. Yeah. So after doing takeover and watching these people fail in their businesses, because that's obviously why they're on the shows because they've hit rock bottom. Obviously some of them were blaringly obvious and then some others weren't so blaringly obvious. It's like, okay, why? And I did a lot of research into restaurants and why they're successful. And, you know, demographic makes uh, a huge, a huge difference in success of a restaurant where it's located, you know, understanding your demographic around you and parking and all this kind of stuff. So um, I, my husband and I kind of moved outside of Toronto and we were like, there's no restaurants here. Like there are no restaurants of good quality. We have a lot of chain restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, as a chef, it's just very hard to, to wrap yourself around and love mm-hmm. when you're used to different quality. So we would find ourselves driving into the city to go eat dinner. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like we need to find a place. And we were just driving one day and we fell upon this like roadside diner, this restaurant that has such cool vibe. And they were hosting like an old fifties and sixties car show, vintage car show. And we went in for ice cream. The place is a dump. We went in for ice cream and I'm looking around and I'm like, this place has so much potential. It's on a busy road, which is sort of like a, like a inner city highway. So much potential. So I kept coming back to it and I kept saying to my husband, you know, we should, we should go look at that place again. I had was currently doing the corporate chef job at Maple Leaf. I had just uh, applied for uh, top chef, the mm-hmm. all-star edition. And I'm like, this is perfect timing. The show is going to come out. We're going to open a restaurant. I'm going to leverage Butchies on Mm -hmm. Top Chef All-Stars. And that's exactly what I did. And so I timed it so that when, you know, I was on the show, we were talking about the restaurant, which, which really, really helped. So, you know, the, the style of the restaurant, it was a roadside, it was a road style restaurant. I really wanted to open a high end Italian restaurant, but I knew that that property didn't make Mm -hmm. sense. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let's kind of like backtrack as barbecue. It's family. It's something different. And 
thought about, okay, where are we? We're in Whitby, family-based community, a lot of commuters that come to and from Toronto. So our base clientele are people who have high-paying jobs. Well, they, they, they range, but our main high-paying jobs, they commute to and from Toronto. So they go to Toronto for lunch. They right. experience high-quality food fast. We want to kind of replicate that here in Whitby. Um, and so Butchies became, and a trip to Nashville because I, I wanted some inspiration. So, um, but Butchies became a meat and three style restaurant. One, because they didn't exist in Canada. And mm-hmm. I always like to be, you know, let's, let's, let's do something different. Let's try something different. So, uh, meat plus three. I also love options when I eat, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, um, barbecue based, which wasn't any competition in my neighborhood. There was no competition anywhere nearby. So I was like, this is what we are. So we are a meat plus meat and three plus restaurant that focuses on fried and smoked meats and Mm -hmm. all chef driven sides. My kitchen team is dynamic. My gosh, they are all so creative and so highly skilled. And that's what I always surround myself with, especially in hospitality and kitchens. Kitchens are a place where you want to have to be there because if you don't want to be there you're going to produce crappy food with no love and it it is very obvious and so I very much made an effort to have all my restaurants people in there who really enjoy what they do and want to see growth in that field you know they want to start off as a line cook and move on to being a sous chef to move on to be having their own restaurant whatever it is and that's worked out really really well for us our turnover isn't as high um we keep people like we have employees we're 5 years old butchies we have people who've been with us for 5 years that's nice. unheard of in the restaurant business yeah. yeah um we also pay well and we have an inclusive diverse environment and in today's day and age employees need to feel safe they need yep. to feel heard. They need to feel like they're part of the team. And I think we've really, really accomplished that. It just so happens I have uh, a 96% female team um, because I do really enjoy uh, surrounding myself with women. I find that uh, we're amazing multitaskers. Mm-hmm. We get stuff done. Um, you know, it's it's just a fun a fun work environment. I'm not saying that men aren't fun to work around with. We have some very strong men who are part of the company, but um, <laughs> it just so happens that that's that's how we are. You have to have strong men if they're only, you know, 4% of the, uh, the makeup. So that's very good. <laughs> yeah. I so, so butchies is our restaurant. And then we just, uh, we just opened dish play. So dish play is oh. my brand new business. It wouldn't be on my bio because we haven't, uh, we haven't gotten there, but dish play is a 10,000 square foot culinary event space. Oh, and, nice. uh, it is a cooking school. It is so cooking school for public and corporate uh, cooking classes, oh, team yeah. building. Uh, we also uh, are a commissary space and we are an incubator for small business. So uh, let's say, for example, you've, you make cakes, you've been mm-hmm. doing it on the side, you know, you have a little certified kitchen, but you've reached your max and you haven't, you know, you don't have the capability to scale. We rent our kitchen space. So you can come to us, rent our kitchen space, and you can slowly start to scale your business. So yeah, dish play is a really interesting space. You know, you can have a wedding there. You can come to a cooking class. You can come to a drag show uh, or a beer and wine pairing event. Yeah. Nice. I love it. 
And I'll tell you what, uh, gosh, it's been about 15, oh no, it's, I guess more like 20 years since uh, I did a corporate event once where um, with my company where we were, we did a cooking um, thing. So we, everybody, you know, made the main dish, you know, the appetizer, all yep. that made the cocktail, you know, everybody went home with the recipes and it was such a great team building uh, activity. I've done it a couple of times and it's really yeah. wonderful. So, oh, I can't wait to learn more about that too. Yeah. I got to get to Canada. Now, <laughs> Andrea, you are obviously, you have, uh, there's going to be people listening that are like, I want her life. And I particularly actually just want to be a judge on something so I can eat all the food, but I know I don't have the background in it. But I have a lot of people that are watching and listening who are saying, you know, what I really want is I want to figure out, you know, what, what's going to get me some more airtime. So maybe it's somebody who would love to do something like you're doing, or maybe it's just somebody like me who wants to be on, you know, talk more about, uh, you know, their area of expertise, but, you know, knowing what you know about the TV world in particular, you know, what advice do you have for somebody who's listening and saying, you know, I really want to make sure that I can, you know, get get noticed, even if that's to talk about, you know, job hiring rates or whether it's talking about mindfulness on television or whatever it might be, or maybe somebody who's like thinking maybe they want to have their own show someday. You know, what, what advice do you have for somebody to stand out or to, you know, get noticed or to keep notice once you've had it? Because you've truly, uh, you know, used this as an opportunity to continue to further yourself. So just love to have your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, oftentimes, you know, I struggle with, with, you know, how do we stay relevant? How do we keep going? And I think the way I've been staying relevant is I stay busy and my businesses are successful. And I think a part of my, my celebrity is really leveraged on my success in my business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a hard combination to have because you have to keep them going at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think networking is so important. And, mm. you know, when I was first in the, when I first started sort of in the TV landscape, I just networked my face off. I was like, yeah. okay, I'm have to do my research and I have to connect the dots. It's not easy, but you have to find out who are the TV producers for Rogers because they're not actively looking for you. You need right. to actively look for them. So, you know, TV stations and, you know, typically it's, in my case, the people who are, you know, are um, booking the cooking segments is an executive producer. So mm -hmm. I would literally go on LinkedIn and I would search executive producers. I'd find the TV channel, I'd find the network, then I would make the connections now with Facebook or with uh, Instagram and all these different social networks. It's so much easier to find that. And I literally, at, at some points, I was sending them a reel that mm -hmm. I had created. You know, oftentimes to make money, you have to spend money. And yes. it doesn't feel good at times, but that is a, such a big advice I give to anybody watching. If you want to make money, you have to put some investments towards yourself and trust yourself. Yeah. But uh, I was just, I got in there. I rolled up my sleeves and I was like, okay, who do I need to find? How do I need to get myself out there? And you have to think of creative ways to do it. You know, when I first started my condiment line, for example, I wanted, um, I hired a amazing life coach and who, who I found through a, I found a life coach through my PR firm who was, who was representing one of the TV shows I was on. And I was like, okay, well that, that seems like a good connection. You know, they know these people and they know these people and through her, we concepted this amazing uh, ad campaign where we sent gift baskets, really unique gift baskets to mm -hmm. 
food writers. And a, and a consequence of that was that I had an article in pretty much every single paper. It's you oh, have yeah. to think of ways that are creative, that are a little bit out of the box to grab people's attention. Also yeah. with, with, with TV and food media, it's difficult because they go through cycles. So, you know, if you're, if you're hoping to, you know, represent yourself at Christmas, well, you better be prepared in September because that's when it goes to print. So, you know, it's, it's knowing those things and it's just a lot of research and it's, it's networking and going to social events, going, especially for me, like food events, um, uh, you know, like conferences where you know, food media conferences or restaurant conferences or anything like that, like I would just go, I would make myself known. I would say hi to these representatives because at the end of the day, the world is big, but the world is very small and you never know who you're going to run into. Yeah. Oh, and I totally agree. You know, my, my business um, prior to COVID was, you know, mostly me doing speaking and training on leadership and sales. And I, you know, and obviously I'm a little colorful and, and I went to um, people are like, oh, you know, well, you got to get to know all the meeting and event planners, people who book you. And I'm like, okay, how do I do that? And so I joined meeting professionals international and I went to their conferences and now those people, you know, I mean, and then I wasn't even speaking, but they're like, Hey, what do you do? I'm like, here's my card. Here's what I do. Here's, here's a link to where I'll, you know, my, my real my speaker reel. And next thing you know, you've got people calling you because to your point, you've done the right research. You've been put yourself in the right places and tried to maximize those opportunities. Yeah. And really listen and listen and and be relevant in today's landscape. And you need Mm -hmm. to know, you know, what is going to hit, what's not, you know, you have to be above the curve, I think. Absolutely. I love it. It's great advice. And it's so much fun. I love, I love your whole story. I think it's, it's not just um, inspirational, which it totally is, but it just to me is so smart how you've taken opportunities and realized them for what they are and said, Hey, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity I have because it's going to help all these other aspects of my life. And to your point, owning the restaurant makes you also even more appealing on the television scene because you're reputable being on television makes you more reputable for your restaurant and everything raises together. Well, also, I mean, in respect to that is that, you know, for the restaurant, I mean, most of the majority of the customers know that I own the restaurant and they support for that reason, but all the new customers coming in, that's an opportunity just to market to them too. So, you know, we do things class, you know, classy, but you know, my face is in the restaurant and, you know, ways to connect with us is there. It's, it's tangible. You know, we, when we Oftentimes we post on social media, which we have, you know, 13,000 followers right now, which is fairly good for a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, we repost things about me as well. So then that, that will, you know, and one of the greatest things I ever did was I hired a personal assistant mm-hmm. and she has been so powerful for me and my growth because things that I can't or don't exactly want to be doing that take up my time. I pass it on to her. She, you know, finishes it ASAP. And then we move on to the next thing. And just yeah. having her beside me is like that, you know, when you get a personal trainer and you, you wonder why you've lost so much weight because you have a personal <laughs> trainer. So, you know, I feel like the assistant is sort of the same idea. We just like together help just propel to go forward. And that has been like so powerful to get so much more done. And like the effectiveness of us now is, is pretty amazing. I love it. Andrew, you are just, we could talk all day because yeah. I just, I told I just, you I was out of luck. 
you know, I don't know. I all of a sudden I'm like, oh wow, I didn't even watch how much time has gone by because it's just been a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So I love it. Um, and I, I don't think you've talked too much. You've talked just the perfect amount. Hey, we're gonna have all your contact information on our show notes, including the links to your restaurants and to everything you've got going on, all your social media. But just in case somebody's like, I've got to find this woman right now because I want to follow everything she's doing. What's the best way for them to reach you? Instagram uh, at Chef Andrea Nicholson. Excellent. That's a perfect spot. Now, before we go, Andrea, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Uh, As a sign on my restaurant window, say to dream big. Love it. I love it. Andrea, thank you so much for not only inspiring us, but sharing your story, sharing your message, and just being an all around fabulous guest today. I have really enjoyed our conversation. Same here. Let's do it again. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.